there is no one Irish dish, I suppose, is is mm. is, is what I'm saying. Like um, Irish food tends, I mean, it's changed and changing. But one of the things is that it's still very much um, meat and two veg and potatoes, uh, any number of potatoes, any type of potatoes. Uh, I, I, that is a, that is a stereotype that rings true. I can tell you, I have yet to meet a potato. I didn't like in any way, shape or form. Um, and Irish people eat a phenomenal amount of potatoes. So Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, it's St. Patrick's Day. And uh, so St. Patrick's Day to all, or happy St. Patrick's Day to all my, uh, all my wonderful listeners and to my guest today, Colm. Thanks very much, Brendan. Uh, happy to get a chance to chat to you on St. Patrick's Day, Ireland's National Day celebration, the day where everyone in the world is Irish if they want to be. <laughs> and uh, as we say in Ireland, law fela padraig gwit, which is uh, the, uh, the Irish or the Gaelic for happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, it is, It is. you know, as, as Colm said, the, the national Irish holiday, the, the holiday where everyone shares their their Irish or non-Irish heritage in, in the same ways. And it's just, it's a wonderful holiday that I've always actually had a lot of interest in. Um, and so Colm actually reached out to me and and requested to, to do an episode on St. Patrick's Day, all the festivals, the history behind it, all that kind of stuff. And so that's really what we're going to be diving into today. So I'm sure all of you guys remember Colm from a couple months back. He has a podcast all about uh, counseling and, and advising for, for universities. And he actually just let me know about a new podcast that he's been working on lately. Um, so Colm, why don't you go ahead and talk about uh, both your projects and kind of tell people where they can find you. Sure. Thanks, uh, Brennan. So I suppose the new project is is fitting for today because it's the Irish NFL show. Mm. And uh, if people enjoy um, football or or if they enjoy hearing uh, four lads with uh, funny Irish accents talking about football, uh, they can they can find us on Twitter and on Facebook, but we're also uh, released as a as a podcast. So we do video and um, audio podcasts for that. So whether you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Irish NFL show, we've been very fortunate to be joined by some great guests. We had Peter King and uh, just last night we had Rich Eisen from the Rich Eisen show join us. We've had Wade Phillips and we actually got to cover the, the Super Bowl. We got media accreditation. So uh, we got the, the players to, to talk to us and I think they were amused by our funny Irish accents. So definitely check out the, the Irish NFL show. And, you know, just like you, we, we love the interaction with people. So please do reach out to us, say hello and, uh, you know, let us know what, what you think. And as you mentioned, I, I have been working in higher ed for 15 years and I have a podcast called Adventures in Advising and that is audio only but you can find that wherever you get your your podcast so a great companion piece to talk ag to me uh, we're on episode 
we will be releasing episode 31 actually and uh we we that seems to be going very very well we're delighted with the the response to it so whatever area of higher ed people are, are involved in be it um as advisors as counselors as faculty members even students themselves uh there is something for for everybody uh, in this podcast so uh definitely check us out adventures in advising Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely have, have listened to a couple of the episodes of your um, of your advising podcast, and that one was really interesting to hear about. So I'm sure people will, as you mentioned, love to hear your your uh, you know your Irish dudes talk about some football because everyone loves football and everyone loves the Irish accent for for some reason. I can't really explain why, but it is something that's just you know naturally draws the ear. Can't, you know, I can't uh, can't say it's not the, it's not the same for myself. But um, yeah, so that's awesome. So I'll put all the links down in the description so you guys can go find all of Colm's great stuff and and go and show him plenty of attention. And I think that that's you know that's a good uh, transitionary piece into our conversation today. So Colm, tell me all about St. Patrick's Day in its home country. Well, the interesting thing about St. Patrick, firstly, is St. Patrick wasn't Irish. So really? I, that. But yeah, that's probably quite surprising to people. But the the story as as it's told, um, and I'm sure there's plenty of myth and legend in, involved in this to an extent. But Saint Patrick is Welsh, and he was actually kidnapped from Wales, and he was brought to to Ireland, uh, where he had to her tend to sheep. So he acted as a, a sheep herder, and um, he was able to return to to Wales but he felt he had a calling to come back to Ireland and, and to bring Christianity to the people of Ireland. He felt that was his calling. And so that's what, that's what he did. He came back. Um, I guess when people visit the little green islands, they are somewhat enamored with it and they enjoy coming back. And that is, that was the, the origin. So, you know, that's why for me, it, it should be open to people from around the world to, to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. It's definitely not an Irish-only festival, given that it is is celebrating a, a, a Welsh national who became beloved of the Irish people. And there are numerous examples of that. I mean, we love to, to see um, people with any sort of Irish connection or who enjoy Ireland uh, come, come, you know, I mean, for, for America, look, JFK, uh, here in the 80s, in the 60s, 70s and 80s, um, I'm not making this up, people in Ireland in their houses would have had um, kind of, say, two pictures one would have been of um jesus the the sacred heart picture i don't know if people might be familiar with that but people in ireland would have had that and they would have had a picture of jfk as well he was that <laughs> beloved um in ireland and you know anyone who who has any kind of tangential connection to ireland certainly uh, they get adopted uh, jeremy irons the actor uh, he has a castle and he lives here now and Dominic West from The Wire we've uh, adopted him um, as, as well so we, we love we love to do that but that so it, it continues to this day and so that's why I feel it, it's a worldwide celebration but that is the the man we are we are celebrating and of course then there's the story that he uh, you know drove the snakes out of Ireland which is why we don't have 
uh, any snakes. Uh, you know, you could also say maybe it's uh, an, where the fact that we're an island nation and uh, it, you know, is a very temperate climate. But no, let's go with the fact that St. Patrick drove all the snakes uh, out of Ireland. But that's another kind of myth and, and legend that that exists. So there's there's lots of um, little mini myths that you hear. And the interesting thing is in different parts of the country, there are different St. Patrick's stories about maybe miracles that he performed when he visited that part of the country. But it it is a a national holiday in Ireland. It is a day where um, everyone does celebrate in some way, shape or form. And the celebrations have probably changed over the the years and and the way in which it is celebrated. But I think even um, the fact that it it, it is Ireland's national day of of celebration, we don't have an independence day in the way that you would have in America. Hmm. So this is our national holiday. Huh. That's awesome. So would you be able to kind of give us a little bit of a look into, uh, well, obviously, if, if circumstances were normal, what would a St. Patrick's Day celebration look like in 2021 and, and you know, today? Sure. So um, I, I think this is where it, it, it's such a, a shame because the, the way in which it had been growing and developing was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had become a kind of a, a festival, a, a, a real celebration and kind of a week-long festival that really kicked off the the spring season in Ireland and the, the, the kind of the arrival of tourists into the country, perhaps you know and and we love we're we're a warm welcoming people we, we love that and I, as a as i was saying it, it has changed like when i was even growing up it was probably at the tail end of it but it was much it was a much more subdued event in many ways um people kind of celebrated at home with their families uh it you always had the day off uh i think you know as um time has gone on we have seen it grow I think for a time it probably um, became because uh, it was it was never synonymous with maybe some of the stereotypes that idea of green beer or the idea of of people you know drinking uncontrollably like waking up in the morning and uh, you know starting off their day with a can uh, that was that was never the the case but I do think it it did for a time perhaps, um there there were kind of some incidents um where there was uh, issues around maybe some drunken behavior mm. so they have actually curtailed the the sale of alcohol until later in the day oh, wow. um and so that that's that's one thing that kind of has changed so i think that the stereotype is that people are going to drink solidly that's not necessarily the case but what tends to what would be happening um right now you know, um, if if Ireland was if there were no COVID restrictions, are big parades. Mm. So the biggest parade is in Dublin, and we would have visitors from all over the world. So you would have huge number of um, people from America, um, Ir- kind of Irish American marching bands, um, Irish American da- you know dancers. The um, all all sorts would be here. It's it's a huge parade that takes place right through the the center of Dublin. 
um, people come out to to see the parade, trying to get a, a spot to actually see the parade. Um, you know, you've got to get out really early in, in the morning and it goes uh, all the way through. And like there are lots of different kind of floats. And that that is the the big the big celebration. That's the the major piece. Mm. But they have added in um, all sorts of kind of festivities around that. So um, over the the last few years in that pre-COVID world, you had um, what what was known as the Kaylee Moor. A Kaylee is a a, a dance, right? So people would get to get together and go to the Kaylee. And it's a night of dancing and celebration. And the Kaylee Moore is the big dance. And so this used to take place up um, on St. Stephen's Green. And you'd have hundreds, if not, um, you know, a thousand people there kind of all dancing together and, and celebrating. And that was, that was always great to see and, and see people trying to learn, you know, Irish dancing wherever they were from in, in the world and kind of come together and just enjoy the merriment of it nobody was particularly worried how good uh, you were learning the steps but that was something that was always kind of built around it and there were um you know treasure hunts that had started for children um and to kind of maybe teach them a little bit more about ireland and irish culture as they they got the the different kind of um clues along the way and there were there, it would be spread out in different parts of the city and you'd see so many kind of people from all around the world here um people italians um uh, people from spain from france um people just from everywhere just you know uh, just a sea of green that's another thing i probably should mention that um where in america where you get pinched for not wearing green i have no idea where that came from because that is definitely not something that ever existed in ireland you don't have to wear green um but a lot of people definitely wear green on the day and you'll see people with the shamrock painted on their faces and so that's that's in dublin um but around the country the nice part is that the smallest villages will have a parade okay um so there's some really tiny uh parades like where they kind of go you know maybe three or four houses deli just deliberately and they'll all parade through and you will have local floats and a lot of the the local parades are great because they will look to we 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 like to i suppose we're a wry sense of humor in ireland and we love to kind of make fun of different things so events that will have happened during the year um people will uh you know uh, parody or the, a lot of satire and they'll make their own homemade floats kind of celebrating th those events and so you'll have those along with kind of um other floats like a lot, a lot of celebrating, obviously, of, of farming. I can tell you a lot of, um, you know, farm machinery or floats kind of highlighting the what farmers are doing for for the lo locality. Uh, you know, not not too many uh, live animals, I, I would have to say, but you would occasionally see maybe a, a goat or or something on a float, uh, some some animal that isn't going to get too spooked or or thereabouts. But and the kind of what you would see as well in a lot of those local parades is people who are famous in that in that locality leading that parade. Mm. So, for example, a couple of years ago, I know that. Um, uh, um, Mike Ross, who is an Irish rugby player, led the parade in my hometown. He's oh. from 
um, my hometown. So it's a nice kind of honor that that people in the locality uh, get to lead their their local parade. So the parade is the, the big event, and then um, that that tends to go on in say the the early after afternoon um, or maybe like say would begin at noon and would kind of end at kind of two o'clock and then in Dublin you have over the last few years kind of had um, other things built in so concerts taking place in the evening fireworks displays things like that and um as I said, in, in Dublin, it really has become a kind of a week-long celebration of Ireland. Around the, those local areas, it would be much more just the, the day. But in Galway, there is a group called Machnus. Mm. And Machnus, again, it's, a, um, it's an Irish term. But Machnus do these, um, the they're kind of, um, they're giant paper mache heads. And they look um, like the the various celebrities so you two are usually there but in the Galloway parade they'll always have the Machnus heads and they'll generally again have say whoever has been kind of very famous that year so if somebody you know a celebrity has been in the news or an Irish politician or an Irish sports person they'll generally be a Machnus head of that person so that's out in uh, Galloway so yeah just just a giant kind of celebration that that takes place but the parade being at the center of it that's funny that's that's crazy that there's so much going on for you know for all the different parts of, of the country and that you know you all celebrate in very similar ways but at the same time very different ways you know depending on, on where you're at that's just that's so cool and it's, it's very different than is different than the united states in a couple of different ways like we we celebrate so you know to, to compare it to our national holiday independence day um, we celebrate it on local levels and on large levels as well, but we have very different, like we don't have parades very often unless you're part of like a really large city or we don't have, um, you know, we don't have like massive celebrations in the sense that we have like the entire town involved. It's usually more like we have, you know, neighborhood parties, maybe or we have like small gatherings and, and that kind of stuff, but that's about all, all it gets, you know, it, I'm, I'm wondering if that's more of the characteristic of you know like the the united states tends to be a little bit more like hey we'll go do our own thing and, I, and ireland tends to be more like hey let's all you know let's all hang out together we're all friendly here it's, it's, it's interesting to see how the difference there kind of lines up mm-hmm. yeah i suppose it's it's the the size of things in ireland as well so it's mm-hmm. it's easy for the community to maybe get together but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter from the smallest village like genuinely they they love they love to nearly compete to see who can have the shortest parade uh but but from the smallest village through to those kind of medium-sized towns and right through to the larger cities Hmm. um they they will all have a parade and the community will come together and they i mean they show them on tv like i mean one of the one of the great things is the the news uh you know uh, if, if the news was on and tonight and i and we didn't have the covid restrictions i would be able to see all of these parades now social media has means that you can kind of see them on twitter anyway but one of the pieces was they would always send reporters to uh, various kind of towns around the country so you'd get to see what was being celebrated in in different areas and sometimes some of those parades like the the parody pieces will be very local hmm. so it might be somebody in the town who's famous or somebody in the town who's uh kind of made a, a name for themselves and maybe not in the best of ways and they would be parodied during that uh during the parade <laughs> but it was always a big a big part of thing that the the love of the love of satire and the love of the absurd shines through 
Yeah, that, that's so great. It's, it's always nice to see, you know, countries able to have like a sense of humor during their celebrations and kind of poke fun at, you know, things that happen, even, you know, even if it's their own people, that's something that I think the United States could, could learn from. <laughs> um, but it's funny to, to hear, you know, even the differences between our celebrations of St. Patrick's Day itself, you, know, you mentioned that in, in Ireland, it's kind of almost a, um, like a misconception that, you know, the entire holiday is dedicated to drinking, because in the United States, it's basically an excuse for drinking all day. Like, that's kind of, that's kind of what it turns into here, which I really wish that we could adapt some of those, you know, kind of Irish customs in, in our celebrations, just to, for one, honor, you know, honor the, the actual celebration, and for two, just, you know, to get away from all of the drinking. But um, yeah, no, it's like, how you described, you know, what people think, St. Patrick's Day is, you know, wearing green and drinking green beer and, and just like drinking all day and, and just partying. That's exactly how it is in the United States. <laughs> like, like that's, that's exactly how every party that I've ever seen on, whether it be on TV or just parties that I've been to, or, you know, pe- like parties I've heard about, that's all it is in the United States. So it's, it's funny to hear that, you know, what, what people think is how, how things are really in, you know, in Ireland is, is just how, how we do it here just because either that's just because that's how the United States is, or that's because that's how we think it's supposed to be because we don't really know how, you know, how you guys celebrate. Um, I think some of it is probably it's driven by the stories. I think people have heard, mm. you know, the Irish diaspora are all over the world and a lot of them, you know, left a long time ago. And even, you know, America was much more developed. Mm. So I'm imagining somebody who left Connemara in the west of Ireland, like a rural place, and they arrive into New York City, mm. into this like, concrete jungle, this this urban megalopolis. <laughs> and to them, of course, they were going to tell everyone that they met about this rural bucolic nation that they came from. Mm. And so stories kind of take on a, a, a life of their own. And so you get the green beer. And I've seen that some cities dye their river green huh. um, and, and just kind of green green just becomes synonymous with it and none of that exists in Ireland because you didn't you didn't need you were here so you didn't need to necessarily do that now we definitely have seen with the kind of influx of of tourists in recent years there's an area in Dublin called Temple Bar and that is absolutely packed on St. Patrick's Day and and there there's play i mean there still is plenty of drinking but i i don't think um, most people set out again it's in Ireland, the pub is a place where you go to meet friends mm-hmm. and you might get drunk as a consequence of meeting with your friends. But the aim when you're going out is not to get uh, absolutely hammered as such. You're like you're not going out going, yeah, shots, shots, shots. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that it is sitting, having fun and I, I don't know if I mentioned that the last time. Like, If you went into an Irish pub and compared an Irish pub to maybe and I, an Irish American pub, mm-hmm. or the way in which an American, an Irish pub is imagined in America, like there's no singing, like there's no. If you go to an Irish pub in Ireland, like a, a real, what we would consider kind of, you know, an an old man pub, as as we call as we call them in ways, but like it's just the sound of people talking. And and there, there's no dancing. There's not going to be any major food. You might get a packet of crisps or as as we call them, potato chips uh, for, for you guys. But that's, you know, it, it, it's a place that you gather 
um, with with your friends, it's not a place where you would go uh, for a, a big um, a big meal or that you know you go to to listen to to music. Those type of pubs certainly exist. And again, in Temple Bar, you'll get that kind of more um, than than elsewhere. But really, like it, it's wonderful to walk into a pub. And just to hear the sound of of people talking and laughing, that that to me is that's what makes pubs special. That's the magic in pubs. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely get behind that because I mean I'm personally not someone who who really drinks. I not not just because I'm technically not of legal age, but also just because I, I have no interest in it. Like my you know my roommates, my friends will go out and party, and, and you know they like you mentioned they they go to bars and you know like like they go to parties just to get drunk. They're not there for the social aspect of it, or maybe they are, but like they're more focused on the drinking than on the actual interactions. I never understood that. Like I've always looked at outgoings as more of you know it's a social event you're there with your friends like that's what you're supposed to be there for so i would definitely appreciate the uh, the irish you know style of, of doing that a lot more than than how we do it here so i, I definitely and i think it's interesting that you know ireland is almost like regarded as like the number one country for you know alcoholism and all that kind of stuff when really that's not that's not really an accurate characteristic of, of how you guys act over there. It's more, it's more along the lines of you're just very social. And like you said, it's almost like a byproduct of being social is that that kind of stuff just happens on its own, but it's not nearly to the degree that everyone likes to think it is. And not, to, not to the extent I don't think I like, I, I not to say, obviously it, it happens and, and it exists, but I would say like, it wouldn't be uncommon for people to go to the pub and just have one or two drinks and then head off home. Hmm. But to, to, and to maybe people outside of, of Ireland and they hear, you know, that somebody that Johnny went to the pub, you know, three times this week, they think Johnny must be a raging alcoholic because Johnny's <laughs> drinking, you know, himself under the table every night. And it's not that you like sometimes. Yeah, you go you you say like we we have a joke like I go for one and but one one might mean one that might just mean a quick drink after work, catch up with a friend and then I got to go mm. or one might mean, uh, you know, uh, you, you go you meet the person in the pub at six o'clock and suddenly it's nine o'clock and you're like, oh, my God. Where did, where did the time go? And you've had your four or five pints in, mm -hmm. but that that's a, a rare enough occurrence, mm -hmm. but where, you know, where I suppose a lot of people maybe around the world might go to a cafe um, to, to meet their friends or they might go to uh, a, a restaurant or they might have friends over to their, their house that it's, it's much less so in Ireland that you would have, um, you know, particularly say workmates and stuff that you would have them around to, to your house. You would tend to, to go to the pub. That's where you socialize. And then you head off from there. But I, again, I think I can imagine how the stories, if, if somebody went to, you know, to America or they went to Australia or they went to Italy and they said, oh yeah, sure. I'd usually meet my friends, you know, in the pub three, three times or four times a week. People would think that would sound like, oh, my God, you must drink an inordinate amount. But that could genuinely mean they had three drinks that week. Mm. It might mean a lot more. It could do. Absolutely. <laughs> but it might mean that they had three drinks. Huh. That's interesting. And like, you know, that's, that's such a cool idea because, you know, like like you said, like that that would be interpreted here as oh, you went to a bar four times this week. Like you have you have a problem. We need to, you know, we need to take care of this because. I mean, people might act that way in the United States where, you know, where they go to bars just for the social aspect, but that tends to be not the case here. You know, people, if you go to a bar four times a week, then you are getting 
like plastered four times a week. And that's like, that typically is, you know, I'm guessing that's kind of the case in a lot of other countries too, which might be why they automatically assume, you know, if, if you go to, you know, to somewhere where you, it's a social environment, but where alcohol is available multiple times in, in a single week that that could potentially mean that you're, you know, that you're indulging yourself a little bit too much, but it's interesting to hear that that's not really, the focus in Ireland as much as it is, at least here, I can't speak for other countries, obviously, but that's interesting. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of dive into, and this is another, you know, myth busting, if you will, about, about Ireland. Um, I'm kind of curious. So obviously the color green is associated with Ireland is associated with St. Patrick's day, all that kind of stuff. Like you mentioned, we, you know, in other countries we wear green, you know, and, and we get pinched if we, if we don't, for some reason, I, I wish I knew why that was. Um, but you said that Ireland, you're not, you're not required to wear green and green isn't as big of a deal because you already live there. Um, is green kind of like the like national color, if you will, because of your flag, because of your country, like what, where did green come into all of this? Yeah, that's a good question. It is the, the national color of Ireland and it mm. is, I mean, you'll hear talk of 40 shades of green. And when I have people from around the world, they come to Ireland and you know, if once they kind of get outside of the Dublin as a major city, they're like, oh, my God, this country is so green. And that's the temperate climate that, that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 I guess for your listeners in, in uh, North America, Ireland essentially lives right between 35 and 70. OK, wow. um, and that's I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit playful there. Yeah, of course, sometimes it, we, it will get below freezing, but mm -hmm. not for long, generally. And it, it will it will it sometimes obviously get above 70? Yeah. Well, again, really, our summers are we live in in the kind of high 60s, low 70s, up to kind of seven up to up towards 80. Like anything in the 80s in Ireland is uh, that's absolutely a heat wave, uh, I can tell you. So mm -hmm. that I mean, and that's why, like, there's a lot of jokes in Ireland about like, you know, it rains all the time. It, it doesn't. But we get we get um, rain you know, mo a lot of days, but not a whole lot and not a whole lot of rain. But again, mm. that's what keeps the country so green. So Ireland, it's always been associated with um, with Ireland because of of that. And um, it, it is on on the flag, uh, you know, to to represent um, the the nationalist or community. Um, you know, I mean, that's what the, the flag represents. The, the green is the nationalist. The orange is the, the loyalist community and the white is the peace between the, the two. So um, it's, it's even represented in, in the flag. But uh, and I, like I'm as I sit here with you today, I'm wearing green. Um, your <laughs> listeners won't be able to, to see that, but I, I am. So it's not like people don't wear it. Uh, they, they absolutely do. It's just not the maybe the prerequisite that that it is in America, because if I don't wear it, I'm not going to nobody's going to pinch me or nobody's going to slag me or nobody's going to say to me, <laughs> hey, you're not wearing uh, any any green. It, 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 I might be. And a lot of people will just because it is St. Patrick's Day. But mm -hmm. if, if you don't, it's it's your choice to. <laughs> there are no consequences uh, yeah. to not wearing green. That's so funny, which I mean, honestly, I'm I am not wearing green, so I probably better put something on before I go outside today. But um, yeah, no, it's it's so crazy how we adapt these customs that have nothing to do with the original holiday or, or the original celebration of, in any way. Like, you know, I always like growing up, I always assume like, 
Okay, well, maybe St. Patrick like really liked green and he punished people who didn't wear green for some reason. Like, why, why else would we get pinched for not wearing green? It never made any sense to me. But hearing that you don't have an answer either makes me wonder if we just made that up just to play with people. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to know. Maybe, maybe one of your listeners knows the origins of pinching people for not wearing <laughs> green because it, it, it doesn't appear to have um, emerged on this little green island, I can tell you. Yeah, well, yeah, if any of you know, you know, where that strange custom came from, please let us know, because I would definitely like to like to know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then, uh, me, me too. <laughs> so one other thing I want to touch on in terms of the um, kind of clearing up, uh, like the the difference in, in customs is, like you mentioned, people often have like shamrock painted on their faces. I was curious where the shamrock symbol came from with, you know, in terms of Irish history, if you happen to know. Well, the the story that's told and why it's so synonymous with with Ireland and with St. Patrick's Day is um, it's it's a Catholic tradition um, because it it, it was that um, St. Patrick used the the shamrock to highlight the the Trinity. Mm. Um, so, for those uh, listeners who might not be familiar with Catholicism, Catholicism is like, and I'm probably butchering it here, but essentially believes that the, in the divine um, Trinity, the the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and um, three three separate but equally the same entity, um, and so that's where. Um, the shamrock came from the, the the three different distinct leaves, um, which are still part of the same plant, represented um, the the Trinity, and so that's why the the shamrock has become so synonymous with Saint Patrick and with Ireland. It's not like there's there's loads and loads of shamrock everywhere now. There yeah, there's plenty of it, but it's not like if I walked outside my house right now, uh, you know, I'll see a, a lot more grass and trees than I than I will shamrock, even if I was in the the countryside there it's obviously here and there there's there's enough of it but yeah that that is where it came from and that i mean saint patrick's day was a very much a catholic holiday for um for a a long time and ireland was was very much a, a catholic country that that has um certainly changed over the the particularly since the the 80s and especially the the 90s uh, but that that is the the reasoning behind the the shamrock i think if you spoke to a lot of people now they they may not even know exactly where where it came from they just know that the shamrock is there and it's something easy to paint on somebody's face huh that's so interesting yeah i like i said i always grew up like never knowing you know what the shamrock represented or where it came from and actually i am catholic and i was raised catholic but i was never really told that story growing up so i'm not sure if that's just like a an irish catholicism kind of tradition or if that's something that we just don't really talk about as much here or we're kind of worried that got lost that's a really interesting story yeah, it might well be. I mean, what what's interesting everywhere is is how different even like within religion, like Catholicism is is different in in Ireland than it is in in Italy and and mm-hmm. and in Poland and and in the United States and and in say Latin and South America. So it it takes on that distinct local flavor. And you know, there are local saints and there are local miracles and there are local customs that that people will adhere to. And um, I mean, St. Patrick's, for for example, St. Patrick's Day, you know, always falls in Lent, um, mm. I, you know, for again, for listeners who might not be familiar, um, I, 
I don't know if Lent is, is, is something that is observed outside of Catholicism, but certainly in Catholicism, that idea that you make a sacrifice or you give something up for 40 days during the period of Lent um, in the lead up to, to Easter um, is, is very strong. And, mm. and culturally, that is very strong in Ireland, even though Catholicism, um, you know, the, the, the country would only be notionally Catholic now that idea of Lent and people giving something up is still a cultural piece. People will huh. still do that, even if they're not a practicing Catholic. But St. Patrick's Day is a day where you can break that. So if you are, if you've given up chocolate for Lent, then you are allowed to have chocolate on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, wh whatever it is that you have given up, you that you have you have 24 hours in the middle of Lent where you can indulge and enjoy uh, whatever it is that you have uh, sacrificed for for Lent so that that is is an interesting piece in and of itself that you know there was that like people in Ireland had didn't have to go the 40 days they were like okay I have to make it to St. Patrick's Day and then after St. Patrick's Day I just have to make it to Easter <laughs> That's so funny. I actually, I, I like that a lot better than, than the way that we do it. Cause you know, obviously we have to wait all, all 40 days. It'd be nice to have that little break for, for St. Patrick's day, which I might, uh, might just start following that rule and just say, I'm, I'm, I'm studying Irish Catholicism. That's, that's it. I'm just, <laughs> uh, but um, I like your thinking, <laughs> but yeah, that's so interesting. And it's interesting to me that I was, I was actually going to ask this question, but you already kind of answered it for me that, some Catholic rituals even follow through with people who don't study, you know, who don't practice the, the religion, like the, you know, the idea of Lent is something that like, like you said, is, is mostly restricted to Catholicism, but, you know, being a mostly uh, historically, you know, Catholic country, you guys have kind of just retained that as part of your culture. It's really interesting to me. Yeah. I think that you will see a lot of, what becomes ritual and it, and it carries over in the same way that many of the kind of um, Catholic high points in the in in the um, the Catholic calendar are, are are points that were you know previously maybe pagan holidays or, or local like for example like we know that Jesus wasn't born in December, like the twenty right. fifth of December, right? But it made it made sense to to celebrate it because that that festival of bringing everyone together, mm -hmm. um, which is what Christmas was to celebrate, um, it already existed. So mm -hmm. why would you not use that point? It, it exists. People are familiar with it. You in, in you look to incorporate it in, um, and the, so so the, there there are moments and. On, on, on the other side now in Ireland, as it moves to a more secular country, um, there are still pieces that that will exist from um, our kind of Catholic heritage um, that people are familiar with. So uh, it would have been a thing here um, that people would not have um, eaten meat on a Friday a lot of the time um, up until the you know particularly into the 80s and, and 90s so you'll still see um, you know fish sales um, on on Fridays uh, go go way up so so that exists you'll still see people even if they they mightn't be practicing Catholics again will tend to to bless themselves when they pass a church or or a graveyard mm. and even if people maybe aren't 
say practicing Catholics, there is still the still a, a tendency in Ireland to have your your child baptized. Um, you know, the 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 Catholic Church is still very involved in running the the schools, the hospitals. Um, and so people will, will do that. So, you know, you're, you're, you, you might not be a weekly practicing or, or really very, very rarely, but when people go home at Christmas time, they would tend to go to mass there. If, if the children are in school, they would tend to make their first communion and their um, confirmation. So those things are, are still in place again, changing slowly. Um, as Ireland changes, but those things would still be very much in, in place. Hmm. That's interesting. So that actually sounds a bit more like my hometown um, because I'm com- kind of from a small, you know, small-ish farming town. And, you know, most of the, the people who live there are Portuguese or, or Mexican. So very, very Catholic oriented, you know, community there. And, you know, we have Catholic churches everywhere. I mean, you can't turn a corner without seeing a Catholic church somewhere. And I'm not sure they're as they're not quite as involved in like the schools or the hospitals as maybe they are in, in Ireland, but we do, st- we do still see a lot of Catholic involvement uh, with, you know, certain community activities. And that is kind of a custom is that, you know, even if you're not a, a heavily practicing Catholic that you got your kids baptized that, you know, they, they would still practice some Catholic traditions. Like, you know, I grew up in a family that wasn't super heavily practicing. You know, we, we went to church occasionally, but we weren't most necessarily the most devout Catholics. And, you know, we were all still baptized. We all would still uh, practice Lent, you know, every year we, we'd all still uh, practice, you know, the certain Catholic traditions that surround most like the holidays and that kind of stuff. We practice like the Easter customs and all that. Um, but it's interesting to hear that, like, that's just kind of how things are for, you know, for a lot of like non uh, like, like, like you said, non-practicing Catholics in, in, in Ireland. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, I suppose in in Ireland as well, so some of the major migration, um, especially early on, was from Poland, which is obviously another very Catholic country, and so um, you know you 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 still had the Poles observing many of the same rituals, so some differences, but many of the same. So that probably continued it uh, for for another uh, while as well. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, no, that, that's all really, really cool to hear. I love hearing about like, you know, no matter what the history is, or no matter what like what the, you know, what the religious ties are, it's always interesting to hear how different countries celebrate a lot of the same customs and a lot of different customs, but are supposed to be celebrating the same thing. So it's always, that's always cool to me. So I did have one last major point on our, oh, sorry, I, I don't know if you were, if you were done on that, on that point. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, we can we can definitely uh, move on to your last question. So yeah, my, my last major point, because obviously, this is a podcast about agriculture, about food, about, you know, all the things that go into producing food and, and, you know, the different uses for agricultural products. And Ireland, obviously, being the, um, you know, the agricultural country that it is, and, and its history with, you know, agriculture and, and with, you know, ties to the land and all that sort of thing what kind of food and what kind of, you know, ties to agriculture can we see from, you know, your average St. Patrick's Day celebration or just, you know, the, the holiday or Ireland as, as a whole? Because I know we kind of talked about in the last episode going into Irish agriculture and we didn't really get a chance to. So let's, let's use this as our opportunity to kind of dive into that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it very much agriculture still plays such a, a huge role in Ireland and it is still so 
culturally impactful. And that's what I was saying about the parades that you will see farmers participate. You will see tractors, you will see trailers, you will see, um, you know, la last year's uh, hay bales, whatever's left over might be on, on tractors and kind of people sitting on them and, and playing instruments and things like that. Um, there there isn't and again i think this is this is interesting because i think in the united states there is this idea that um that that there is that kind of a traditional irish dish um that that uh you know uh, is it um the what is, what is it that i, I can't even think of it because it's not something that we we have o over here um they whenever I go it's not even it's not bacon but it's it's similar to to bacon that is it's always cooked in America and they think that they, they were told that it's an Irish um dish and it's just not something that's um that's had over here and I I'm I'm, I'm struggling because it's not there is no one Irish dish I suppose is is mm. is, is what I'm saying like um Irish food tends I mean it's changed and changing but one of the things is that it's still very much um, meat and two veg and potatoes uh, any number of potatoes any type of potatoes uh, I, I that is a that is a stereotype that rings true I can tell you <laughs> I have yet to meet a potato I didn't like in any way shape or form um, and Irish people eat a phenomenal amount of potatoes so you would very often see at a, at a, a dinner be it on St. Patrick's Day or, or be it just on a Sunday you would have perhaps mashed potato roast potato and potentially boiled potatoes as well so it wouldn't be unusual to have three types of potato and i remember ordering three types of potato in a cracker barrel when i was traveling in america at one point and the waitress was like that's that's three types of potato sir i said <laughs> yep that sounds good to me so that is a stereotype that i can tell you that that lives on and um you know uh, that that would be very much part of it. Irish people also love um, chips, what we call chips, what you call French fries. They can they can go with anything. Chips can be used on uh, on at any at any time. Um, so I, I think that the other thing that Irish people are probably very yeah the, yeah exactly the, the other thing Irish <laughs> people are probably very proud of is our dairy products and uh, i know that um there was a, a tariff on uh, dairy products being imported irish dairy products being imported into america and i see that there has been a stay put on that tariff uh, for the moment but irish people are very proud of our dairy products we we believe that you know we have um some of the best dairy products in the world the hmm. butter the milk the cream and uh, i think that um you know the the other it's it's funny because um i think america has this perception that only britain drinks tea um whereas irish people drink tea as as frequently if not more frequently that, than the uk I, I have a cup of tea in front of me right now um <laughs> i don't know what number uh cup this is uh today but uh, i've lost track it, it, it's it's that piece that like whenever you're together 
especially at home or, or with friends in so because again what I was saying earlier was you wouldn't tend to bring workmates ho- to your house a lot of the time mm. um so if you're with friends or family in a house everyone sits around and has tea uh mm. tea is what everyone goes to if if it's a if if there is good news if there is bad news uh if you're just hanging out do you want a cup of tea you'll always hear that do you want a cup of tea do you want a cup of tea do you want a cup of tea Irish people love tea and tea is a staple of uh, of the the Irish diet certainly um I, it, I think the 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 food the food offerings uh, have improved uh, immensely uh, I remember um there was a, a comedian I really love called Bill Hicks and Bill uh, on, he passed away from pancreatic cancer in the early 90s but I, I listened to him obviously I never got to, to see him I was too young but I he used to joke about like coming to to Ireland and the UK and 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 needing to tell people that you don't boil pizza um but <laughs> that that has that has improved and i think that the quality again of our our ingredients kind of lends itself to cuisine from from around the world so we like to think um you know that if there are um if we have people from mexico cooking mexican food that they're using incredible quality ingredients um, but that is the the nice thing like uh again if um if I was, you know, D- Dublin was was open up right now, and I was able to go and enjoy um, the St Patrick's Day parade, there there is no reason that I couldn't be eating a burrito whilst uh, whilst doing it. Um, there will certainly be plenty of, of Guinness consumed. Um, you know, even even with the country, uh, even at the parades not going ahead, uh, if I look, if I open my window beside me here, um, I could nearly throw a stone at the the Guinness Brewery, and you'll certainly smell the the brewery. You'll smell the hops from the brewery, kind of waft over the the city. Mm. And the interesting thing, I suppose, is um, beside probably because because Guinness was such a big brewery, there are a number of other breweries around the area as well known well distilleries so um the teelings whiskey distillery is is close by there's another rowan co uh, where they make uh whiskey and, and gin um so there are a number of kind of distilleries in the in the area um mm. but yeah irish people so whilst there's there isn't a national dish maybe there there are local kind of delicacies um, within different places in Cork and, and in Dublin, but there's no one national dish that I corned beef. That was the that was the what I was looking for. <laughs> corned beef and cabbage. I'm always told in America that oh, do you eat? Do you guys eat corned beef and cabbage? I said no, never. No, but I'm I'm not I'm not aware of anyone who eats this. I, I don't even know. I didn't even know it was such a thing. But there you go. Um, so there's no there's no one national dish. But Irish people are fiercely proud of the fact that um, there's a feeling that, you know, uh, our, our ingredients that are our produce are, are really, really top quality. Mm. Um, in, and, and they're because of the size of the country. Again, you don't get the kind of factory farming that you you would in uh, maybe kind of other countries just because of the the sheer size and, and scale of things. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a real feeling of pride around that. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's so cool to hear. So obviously, like in the United States, we have, you know, American food, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, you know, typically things that have been associated with American culture for, you know, as long as, as the United States has been around pretty much. So I, I know that you say that obviously like potatoes are like a big part of, of your diet and, and tea and all that kind of stuff. But there's no like if I were to say like, you know, 
I, if, I, if I were to say like, I want some Irish food, what does that, you know, like what, what would come to mind for, for that kind of thing? Um, a stew pro- probably is what, is what I'd be pointing you towards. Um, okay. But the, it, it, again, some, some people would say it's the beef stew. Some people would say it's a lamb stew. <laughs> uh, so they're, 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 depending on where in the country you were, uh, mm. there would probably be an argument uh, over that. So yeah, you, you'll, you'll go to pubs and you'll see kind of pub grub or, or, or Irish fare, but there is no, there's no really agreed there, there, stew would be on, um, on there certainly shepherd's pie would be on there that's something um you know we we feel that um it wasn't just the brits that invented fish and chips that's also something you you get a lot um in in ireland um but no i've had this discussion because obviously working in the area of higher end um working with a, a huge number of uh people from around the world there's always the question like you know what, uh, what, what, what should I get? I need to, I need some traditional Irish food. There's no, um, there, there isn't something I could, could say, uh, is definitely go for that. There will be like the dubs have, have coddle and there's drisheen in, in Cork, which is pig's feet, um, which I'm, I'm not a fan, like I know thanks. Um, <laughs> but there's no, there, that wouldn't be agreed around the country. Whereas uh, I could definitely say to you, you know, have a pint of Guinness, have a pint of Murphy's um, mm. and have a packet of crisps, uh, Tato crisps. That's probably much more uh, of an Irish uh, meal uh, than any uh, anything I could point you towards and say, yep, that's it. That's the one for you, Brendan. Interesting. That's so that's so crazy to hear. I mean, like, food, I think, is one of those things that's so culturally uh, distinct, you know, everywhere you go, there's like a, you know, if I were to go to Mexico, there's obviously like, you know, there's food that is distinctly attributed to being Mexican food, you know, there's, there's uh, British, you know, there's British meals that are associated with being British meals. It's so interesting that Ireland doesn't really have like a distinct like, yep, this is our meal, like, it's kind of just you know, you have different foods that are like, yeah, we, we mostly claim these things, but none of those are like, purely Irish foods. That's, that's so cool. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a weird thought, but it is, it is really interesting. Yeah, no, it is, it is, it's certainly interesting. And it's something that I've discussed, uh, you know, with, with people, because mm-hmm. like, what, why is that the case when, you know, there are so many things that we do claim, right. and that we, we do kind of loudly shout from the rooftop saying, you know, that's ours, or, you know, we invented that or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it, if when it comes to food, I mean, I don't know. Um, the, the other thing to, to probably just mention in relation to this and probably another reason why um, Ireland has that reputation for drinking is um, the Irish word for whiskey. Um, and again, I think uh, you, um, is it um, very, I, I definitely have seen family guy and i think uh, a few other cartoons have kind of done this the irish inventing whiskey mm-hmm. and it's like the this futuristic world and then whiskey emerges and then ireland does nothing after that <laughs> but the irish word for whiskey is ishkabaha and ishkabaha translates literally as water of life oh. so, so that <laughs> that is probably one of the reasons why people uh, associate drinking uh, with with ireland um, but yeah there there you go <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, if, if you consider, you know, whiskey, your, your water of love, I, I could definitely see why people would associate you with, with, with drinking quite a bit. That's, that's really funny. So in terms of the, the agricultural side of, of, you know, Ireland and, and, and you know, the, the surrounding rural areas of, of Ireland, 
you already described some of the, the types of yeah, I can't talk today. The types of agriculture we would see, so potatoes, dairy, um, you know, some some of the some of the crops used to create you know whiskey and and hops and, and those sorts of things. Um, what does Irish agriculture really look like? If I were go if I were to go to like the rural areas of agriculture, what would I expect to see mostly? Um, so there, there are the, the middle, like probably the, you get a lot of market gardening in and around Dublin, um, huge, huge areas of market gardening and, um, potatoes, uh, in kind of North County Dublin, that's mm -hmm. where you would see a huge amount of that. Um, if you went down into the middle of the, the country and down towards the South, uh, that is known as the golden veil mm. and the golden veil is, is considered like the the best farming land in the country huh. and uh, people from Tipperary are very proud of that understandably um, but there you would you would get um, that's where a, a lot of the the dairy produce come comes from um, is is kind of that um, Tipperary and, and Cork um and 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 into Kerry as well um the the west um is is probably not as famous for farming it's it's beautiful it's it's absolutely stunning i mean there's there's nowhere in the in the world as as beautiful i think as as the west of ireland and and, the, and west cork um but it's not great farming land um there you know um the the was it uh, was it Cromwell famously said essentially that there isn't enough water to to drown to drown a man and nor enough trees to hang him. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, that's Oliver Cromwell, who's not very popular in Ireland, uh, who came <laughs> over and kind of conquered the country for um, the British. But uh, that kind of tells you about the the west of the country. Scenically stunning, not not great farming land. Mm. Um, and then, but yeah, so so that that piece from Cork up up through the center of the country um up into the midlands um a little bit would be where you would get the dairy we also have um though it be, they're beginning to to phase it out now we would have a lot of bog land here hmm. um, and we used to to farm peat um oh. so um that that was that that was huge uh, in ireland for for a long time and there were some kind of tragic stories of that happening for my mother's area in County Kerry, actually, uh, there's talk of the moving bog. Um, mm. And it, it, what's, what's incredible, right, is this happened like 100, 150 years ago. I'm not sure exactly when, but this is in rural County Kerry. I mean, rural as you can get. Mm. And people still to this day talk about how essentially they, I don't know if you've ever seen how they cut turf. Um, mm. but essentially they cut from the, the middle, um, and it, 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 it's a giant, it's a giant trough essentially. Mm. Right. So they did, they dig down into it and they dig from the middle. And what happened was it was an incredibly wet, um, kind of period, like, uh, su summer autumn. And basically it built up and built up and built up. And eventually the, the walls of, um, of it gave way. And oh. so you had, um, essentially a kind of a tsunami of um of of 
peat and and and, and turf um, and bog, um, which which wiped out a number of houses and 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 a number of, of families um, lost their lives, and it's still it's still talked about. Um, but yeah, that so that would exist um, in in the west and and in parts of Kerry is um, is bogland. Um, so you know, not going to be great for for far for farming. Um, but it was it was used like we had a peat fired um, electricity. A power plant i mean that's how much peat we had in in the country at one point wow. but um just because of the the way and i suppose the, the the destructive nature and the way in which it has to be farmed they're actually phasing out um they used to have be peat briquettes that people would use to heat their homes like in a, in an open fire but they're actually phasing those out now um so yeah i i think probably um you would also have a significant amount of um, of beef farming uh, and um, and sheep as, as well. Those would be the the, the main uh, two in terms of um, meat uh, processing. Uh, it it be, beef would be Irish beef is um, kind of very highly sought after uh, around the world. We would say we would export a significant amount of Irish beef, um, particularly actually to to the Middle East, um, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be one of our one of our major exports uh, is beef uh, and also um, dairy dairy products like Irish butter is kind of famous uh, around the world. So um, if you if you came, you, you would see you would see smaller farms than you and you would see some um, still like especially out west, you would still see stone walls. Those are still a thing, um, you know, because they, they, they last for so long. Um, but it's difficult for for farms in, in Ireland because in America, you know, you could have a, a farm the size of of South Tipperary, which is a county in Ireland. You know, um, so on, on a on a scale, they 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 definitely struggle. So, um, it will be interesting to see how how that plays out in the future. But it's probably what they look to do is that niche kind of higher end, high quality market. I think that's probably what Ireland needs to look at. Hmm. Interesting. That's that's so that's so interesting to hear because you know obviously coming from from a place where we grow pretty much everything you know and we have like you said very large scale farms and we have you know a, a very diverse set of agriculture you know available to us. It's interesting to hear how the different types of agriculture are broken up across. You know, definitely a lot smaller of an area, obviously. But one of the questions I really had about about that is obviously you seem to be um, pretty knowledgeable on the agriculture going on in Ireland. Is that a common thing in Ireland for people to really, because you know, like you mentioned, you know, farmers tend to be part of a lot of your St. Patrick's Day parades. And this is kind of you know, tying it back to the St. Patrick's Day thing. Do people in Ireland have a pretty good grasp of how agriculture is, is working behind the scenes for them? Um, to, to an extent, because we're still we're still close to it. I, I don't know. Like I grew up. Uh, you know, my my mother grew up on a farm. My uncle took over the the farm, so I'm I'm very close to it, which mm. is probably why I I would have knowledge of it now. My my niece grew up in Dublin. Mm. She's a dub. She's grew up in you know she knows the city, but she loves um, farming, and she actually did her internship um, in in Moor Park, which is uh, an agricultural research institute. I think we talked about that a little bit the last time, but she mm. did her her uh, internship there. That's what she wanted to do. So I do think um, that there because people are close to it. They, there, there would be good knowledge, but 
maybe maybe if you grow up in the city centre, you are um, less likely to to know about it now. Um, but I, I think probably because people were so close to it previously that um, it uh, it does. Um, it still exists. We have a crazy hailstorm here. I don't know if that's coming through on my mic, um, but I it is. Hear it a it's, little bit. <laughs> it's probably just as well that there isn't any St. Patrick's Day parade because it <laughs> sounds uh, like uh, Armageddon outside my window at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, we actually had a crazy hailstorm here just yesterday, and I was thinking the same thing. It's like, man, you know, it's almost a good thing we're, we're all locked inside. This is terrible, you know, but um, yeah, no, that's. That's crazy. It is. It is nice to hear. Well, you know, to your point, yeah, it's probably a good thing we're not having the the St. Patrick's Day parade after all. But it is nice to hear that you know agriculture is well celebrated in at least the smaller parts of of Ireland. Um, but you know, because obviously in the United States, that's kind of a bit of an issue here. It's actually the whole reason I started the podcast is because people don't really know where their food comes from. They're not having the proper conversations about what's going into their food and how it's being grown and, and where it's coming from and uh, everything that goes into it and all the, all the steps that to go through to get to their plate. And so that's really the, the whole reason I, I started this project in the first place. And so it's interesting to me to hear other countries have different situations, you know, in, in that instance, obviously in a lot of developing countries, they're mostly well aware of where the food comes from because they need to rely on it a lot more. I've, I've kind of found that, you know, the less you rely on, on needing food all the time, the less you tend to know about where your food comes from and the less you tend to care, honestly. Yeah. I, I like, I suppose one of the, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of America. I love visiting America. Um, I've some of my best friends are, are, are from America, but one of the things that kind of terrifies me, honestly, when I go and visit is, is the, the food, mm. um, and the way in which, um, thing like I'll go into the supermarket, right. And I'll, I'll pick up milk and milk will be good for like months. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if I go to the supermarket, like, um, I just got milk earlier today. Um, that that's good until this day next week. That was the, that that's as good as like that's as long as milk will last here. Mm. Um, and 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 produce goes 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 off a lot quicker. Mm. I, I wonder about like what what is it, what is being put into milk to allow it to 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 remain good. Like this is fresh milk. This isn't stuff. This isn't powder milk right. like how does milk stay good for that long that 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 is a part that that terrifies me a little bit mm. and when when i when i see things that will that, that don't go bad like food isn't supposed to last that that long what kind mm. of additives are you putting in that that makes the food and i know that isn't i know there's really great quality um you know organic produce but it feels like in in the united states at the moment you would have to spend you have to spend significant amount of money to get kind of organic mm. um produce right yeah no exactly and that's the organic market is a lot smaller it is growing but it's a lot smaller than the conventional market and like you said it, it costs quite a bit more for for you know for that same product which a lot of that's reflected in, in how it's grown and, and the marketing of it and all that kind of stuff as well um but yeah no you're absolutely right there's definitely a distinction and i've, I've learned that over time there's a there's a massive distinction between um, agricultural markets in the united states versus markets in, in other countries in terms of you know how the products are, are marketed how they're sold um even how they're stored like i learned that uh, refrigerated milk is not a very common thing in other countries and in the united states is like one of the few countries that actually refrigerates their milk and so that it was kind of a, something I found interesting. Um, eggs are the same way. Eggs are often not refrigerated in other countries. They're kind of just left out and they're, you know, they're fine. 
Um, so there's definitely, I'm not sure what, you know, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I know that obviously that there's some products that we use uh, preservatives for in, in the United States and the preservatives have been, you know, kind of a, a, a controversial piece for a little while now. Um, that's something that, you know, we could talk about for forever because there's a lot to say on it, but um, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, of differences in the styles of agriculture between the different countries that I've, I've learned from and their differences tend to contribute to not just how the food is, is marketed in, in the store, but also how the consumers feel about it, you know, because uh, consumers in the United States, they may not even think twice about, you know, the milk lasting, you know, a month or, or two. Whereas like you said, in other countries, that's like their primary concern because that's not how it works and, you know, where they come from. So there's massive distinctions in how we understand our food and our food systems that just those conversations aren't being had here, you know, and I think that they, they definitely need to be had on a world, you know, on a worldwide scale and kind of have an agreement on, you know, know not just what we should do about our food but you know should we you know should we have a better understanding of what is being done about our food and, and you know all of those things as well yeah no i mean you should know what's going on 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 your table and and, and into your body um but I, I listeners will probably be amazed that like i do i take photographs of like the dates on the milk when I, and i'll text that i go lads Look at this. The milk is good for two months. What's going on? And everything like, we have a WhatsApp group. People are like, no way. Like that can't be right. So it it is a talking. No, know that it is a talking point hmm. uh, amongst Irish people. Uh, definitely to to look at it. Um, and some of that is probably again because we, we are small. You do tend to know um, who the the producers are. You do tend to have some connection to to somebody. So that probably definitely plays a role in all of it certainly hmm. that's interesting yeah no that, that, it is good to hear that you know conversations are had on, on on more of a common scale in you know in other countries and i like you said it, it probably would make sense for a country that's a bit smaller and a bit closer to agriculture to have you know better conversations about that kind of stuff i am hoping that at some point the united states kind of gets to that level because you know there's people who live in my farm town that don't even know that milk comes from a cow and they could see a cow across the street from them and so that's that's something that I, I wish was not an issue, but it definitely is something that that needs to be worked on. Well, hopefully you're do, you're doing good work with the podcast. <laughs> so long may that continue. Well, thank you. I definitely uh, definitely appreciate that. So, um, but yeah, I think those are all the questions I really had. Um, and as as always, you know, you're you're welcome to um, add anything else that you want to add about St. Patrick's Day, about Ireland, about your own projects you know you remind people where they could find you and all that kind of stuff and i'll be happy to link all your stuff down in the description sure well look firstly uh thanks again for um have, having me on and uh given that it's a it's a lockdown saint patrick's day it's it's mm -hmm. nice to just have the opportunity to talk to people uh, around the world and uh, i hope uh that listeners in enjoy or are enjoying their their own saint patrick's day um uh, and just hopefully when uh, you know these covid restrictions lift um I will uh, be able to to meet you someday, uh, either uh, in America or in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And um, if there are listeners who who are interested in higher ed, definitely check out Adventures in Advising. If there are listeners who are interested in um, the NFL, uh, check out the the Irish NFL show. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Brendan. And uh, look, enjoy your St. Patrick's Day as well. 
Yeah. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on and teaching us all about your culture and kind of the origins of, you know, the, the holiday that we all celebrate, but often don't really know why we celebrate. Um, I, I definitely hold, you know, as we, as we mentioned in the last episode together, I definitely hold Irish culture, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart. Cause I kind of grew up learning about it and, and, you know, listening to a lot of stories about it through my family. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely awesome to hear about. And I, as soon as we we're able to, I would love to go to Ireland and see, you know, all, all the Irish countryside, learn about, you know, more, more stuff from, you know, from like a, a first person perspective. So you might have to be my tour guide if I, if I ever get to go over there. <laughs> that's a, that sounds good. You definitely have a tour guide if you come over. Awesome. And if you ever make your way over to California, I'll be happy to take you to any farms that we have in the area and you can come see our, our football stadiums too. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Colin, for coming on and teaching us all about St. Patrick's Day and, and Ireland. And, you know, I hope that you, you know, had a good time and I hope that all of our listeners had a good time learning all about, you know, this, this awesome holiday and just the, you know, the, the awesomeness that is Ireland as, as a whole. So, uh, Thanks so much for everyone who's tuning in and listening and uh, call them happy St. Patrick's day. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so thanks all again. Hope to see you all next week. And don't forget if you ate today, thank a farmer. <laughs>